0: Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of Our Voices, Our Community. Each week, we focus on issues that are important to you and your community. We discuss social, political, and economic issues, but also arts and culture, and much more. Our goal is to merge local with state and national issues that affect our lives in Roanoke, the New River Valley, and Southwest Virginia. Today, we are joined by Will Solari, Katherine Stromberg, and Karen Cobb. Hey guys, what's going on?
1: Well, we're going to try to be not getting too much trouble today, but we'll oh, see. trouble, <laughs> that's
0: back, all right. So it's, it's hard It's know. okay to get in a little trouble today.
2: That's all right.
1: We're doing good. Just
2: good? trying
0: to beat the heat today, that's all. All right, all right. Well, Will, how are you, man? I'm good. I mean, we woke up this morning. We did.
2: Yeah, We got up night. bright and early. And yeah, bright
0: and early. Did the, uh, Headed over to Fox. Yeah, we had to do Fox, do the TV Promote the podcast. Was, Thank you very much for doing that. No, this.
3: thanks for having me, and thanks to to, to um, the, ra- uh, the radio station, the the TV station for having us and at uh, Living Local.
0: Yeah, yeah, were was um, celebrating their first year anniversary of the program. So we want to do a little shout out to uh, Kiana. Price, well, actually, it's Kiana Marshall. Excuse me, okay. she is married. We want to recognize that, and, uh, and the, on the staff at Living Local, so it was a great job, and we were glad to be a part of the celebration. So today, um, we're gonna we had a lot to talk about today. We have a guest joining us today, but we're going to introduce him a little later. Our focus today will be on transparency and imitation, intimidation. Excuse me, and then we'll talk about food insecurity. And the impact they have on our community. So transparency and intimidation, Catherine. <laughs> you know we we're going to talk about. Uh, we know that the gun violence task force is uh, is actually the committee is going on currently, um, developed, and they've had a couple meetings and. I guess you attend one of those meetings.
1: I attended. I am not on the task force, but I attended. There's about 27 different people on the task force, but I am not one of them. So I want to make that clear. Well, you <laughs> so. should
0: be on the task force, but that is, yes, right, that is another conversation. Right. To so,
1: have. Um, and um, I do agree with a lot of the people who are on there. I think a lot of good people are on there. But, um, you know, I, I went to attend because it was open, you know, these meetings are open to the public. And I was glad I went um, because the, our police chief did a whole presentation on gun violence, but he left out gun suicide, um, claiming I guess that it's not part of gun violence, maybe in his estimation. But he did not include those numbers. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and so um, I actually, from a different source, not a police source, um, I don't have up to the minute numbers, but I pulled some Virginia just public access public health data, and we have about nine gun suicides a year in Roanoke City. So. Really? Yes. And actually, that's the average. So it's it's um, I think it's between five to I have I have all the numbers, but I think it's between five to 14 um, every year is the range that we've seen. And then um, on homicides, the range we've seen is between um, two to 12, I believe. And the average is six. So um, over a number of years. But um, so we're above average for homicides this year by far already. And so so I think that's one of the things. But we don't even know if we're above average for suicides because nobody's telling us.
3: So I was I was talking to a friend earlier about how you kind of wish that there was more big brother, not in the, I mean, I don't mean this. And I'm a, I'm a <laughs> kind of very civil, I can be a very similar libertarian about some things, but like you were talking about, you know, if someone is posting pictures of guns and they're talking about self harm and all this kind of stuff, why it takes this like huge wellness check and all these other things for, you know, uh, the police or you know mental health workers to come say hey is everything okay well, and do and you think the reason they don't talk about suicides and stuff like that is because they don't have those structures in place or they don't try to do that kind of mental health outreach
1: I think it's a combination I think one thing is that often what you'll see is somebody will come and call on somebody for a mental health check and the police will actually make it worse
3: right. so
1: because um, you're calling the police for um, you know you might be worried um, as my friend um, Lori, run, who runs the is the state director for the coalition to stop gun violence. She'll say, "Well, maybe you know Uncle Uncle you know Riley is out in the field and he's you know out there with a twelve pack of beer and um, you know a gun, and you're worried about his mental state out there. There's nothing in state law that says that it's illegal for Uncle Riley to be out in the field in a bad mental health state." With a handgun and a twelve pack of beer, just you know, knocking him back. Nothing illegal about that on his own private property. And so, you know, you call the police, and maybe Uncle Riley gets angry at the police, or maybe he gets. You know, they start to get in a standoff situation, and now Uncle Riley, you know, you've called more guns to a. You have a one gun problem, and you've called more guns into the situation. And sometimes it actually makes it worse. So you're right. We don't have the. We certainly don't have the right um, social emotional um structures in place to help people in that situation a lot of people do get in that situation but. I mean,
3: does that seem like that's why there's a reluctance to even talk about it in terms no. of their, you know, I mean.
1: So I think the reluctance to talk about it, I, I think it for some people, maybe that's it. But I think the reluctance to talk about it, me personally, I think that it's that our chief of police does not want to admit that anybody other than Northwest has a gun problem. Right. That he, he, he enjoys kind of isolating that problem to Northwest. And if he would have to put those gun suicides up on his little map, he would have to admit that, oh yeah, we have a big problem with gun deaths that's actually citywide. That is across, you know, a a number of different socioeconomic stratas um, that's impacting every area that there's not some special responsible gun owner who um, class of people who's a white guy um, who who won't do this kind of self-harm with guns. And and I think they just resist putting the whole thing in a self-harm frame, because once you do that, it's also not a cop. It's really not a cop problem. It's really a public health problem. And I think they like it. They don't want to lose their jobs as cops, you Char- know, being yeah. the first, you know, in charge of that problem. However, ineffectively, they may be in charge of that problem. <laughs> um,
0: so you went to the meeting. Um, and so what are your initial thoughts? Did you walk away from that meeting with the gun task force?
1: Um, I, So... Um, you know, there have been some complaints on social media about transparency, right. and I do agree with that. There's not been a lot of transparency about how people were appointed to that task force, how they were chosen. I did ask some specific questions: how were people chosen? What were the criteria? And I have not received an email back to that question. Well, I asked. You probably will not. I right, Well, you know, there's always FOIA. As the chief actually reminded me at the gun task force, he had a whole presentation on at the end on his FOIA request, and it just made me want to FOIA him some more. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll know, see. Yeah.
3: While we're poking the bear a little bit. Do you want to talk about <laughs> some of the people that were there who weren't wow. really concerned about gun violence as much as they were. Thinking that everyone was going to take their guns away again?
1: Well, so that was afterwards. So the, the, the actual meeting, you know, I got to ask my questions. I got to raise my hand. I was called on. I wasn't ignored. So I appreciate all that. I think it was a well-run meeting and that anybody who went and had a question was able to ask it, I okay. think. You know, and without it getting, like, out of control. You know, they, they kept it focused, but people were able to ask questions. So I think it was a well-run meeting in that sense. Okay. Um, the... And, and we did get some good information presented um, from the police chief. Incomplete, but some good information. Okay. And... Um now, afterwards, yes. I was leaving.
0: Yes, let's talk about <laughs> and,
1: afterwards. And I, you know, I was there for a while, and um, you know, I helped put stuff away because there was pizza. My, and I brought my kids. And my kids were like, "There's pizza!" And I mean, I heard right away as soon as a <laughs> pizza box was seen, I need some pizza. So I knew that we were going to be eating pizza. <laughs> so I had to let my kids eat the pizza afterwards, and they were doing that. And I was helping clean up, and people were kind of puttering around. And I talked to a few different people, and then they finally finished their pizza. And you know, we're some of the last to leave and I'm, I'm headed out and as I'm walking out with my two kids into kind of dark you know it's dark at this point dark parking lot This guy comes up. I didn't see him when we exited the building. He comes up behind us and he starts kind of calling, you know, gruffly out to me. He's he's like, "Well, you know, we're never going to give up our guns." I'm like, "Whoa!" Because we didn't even talk about giving up our guns in there. I mean, I would have loved it if we did, but we didn't. (laughs) So, so nobody talked about that. And also, I was not in charge. I'm not even on the task force. I was just like a person asking questions. So I was kind of like, "I don't know you. You don't know me." Well, I guess he did know me, but um, you know, what is this all about? And I was really. Kind of like taken aback. Like, I don't know this person, and all of a sudden they're gruffly yelling at me about we're never giving up our guns. And my kids are with me, and they're kind of, you know, startled as well. And he never really came up or introduced himself to me. Um, and I kind of saw, I mean, I just was immediately on alert. Um, knowing that, oh, but
3: I mean, why would you be alert if, if bearded white men are killing people <laughs> left and right? With-
1: I mean, I just, I mean, I don't have any problem with you know the bearded white man, Will.
3: Yeah. <laughs> will, well, um,
0: well, Will. We'll, um, stop stereotyping. Uh, yeah, will. as my husband will tell you, though, that is not my
1: that is not my preferred um, that is not my preferred uh, mode of of having to. To actually, you know, kissy face too, but um, that's only, those are only my rules for him. <laughs> so, um, but so the guy comes up to us and it was just the way he did it. I mean, actually I've talked, so it turns out, you know, long story short, I, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I freak, I am a little freaked out because all of a sudden then I see a me- flash of metal in his hand and I'm. You know, I'm asking him, do you have a gun right now? You know, because I know like you could have a gun right now. I don't know what's going on. And he he just kind of, you know, says something about what are you going to do? Call the police. And I'm like, I I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, but if you have a gun, yes, (laughs) I'm calling the police. He's like, it's just my cell phone. We need to be, you know, barbecue Becky or, you know, whatever it And is. I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm not going to be barbecue Becky. So, um,
0: um, um, so, is this person, and we will not disclose his name, of course, but is this person on the committee?
1: No, no. He was just hanging yeah. around. He was just hanging around. Oh, so he was in the meeting and I didn't see any particular uh-huh. problem with him. I saw him talking to Juna in the meeting. Um, uh Juna yeah. uh, yeah, Osborne. Yes. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, this, you know, I, I, I didn't see any problems with him. He could have come up and talked to me during the meeting and right. um, it turns out that you know, later I found out his name and I found out he worked at Safeside Tactical and, um, you know, I was, I was pretty irritated that, you know, he hadn't come in I've actually talked to people who work at Safeside Tactical before mm-hmm. during like social times and social places. Um, they've been at the same things I've been at, and one of them came up to me once and was like, he introduced himself, which is always nice. Thank you for doing that, folks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he just asked a few polite questions, and and like we kind of had a little conversation. It was no big deal. We sort of exchanged views. We don't agree, but that's the way to do it. Not right. to come up behind It'd people be confrontational. and confrontational.
0: Sort of, well, that's that's Well, and, and
1: yeah,
3: and, and you know, and I. I've been known to be pretty gruff about my views at times but I mean you don't get anything done if there's no dialogue about it and, and I think one of the, the big things that was hard for me about this whole situation was you know in the, in the aftermath there's a lot of people on social media barking about it and like how dare she bring her kids to
1: oh yeah that to, was to really witness rich. How
3: democracy and, and participation and with community bring, happens like yeah. you know and it's this it's uh, I just have a hard time with that that approach whether it was the way it happened on social media afterwards, or if it was, you know again, confronting someone in the parking lot, there's no dialogue about it. It's just someone yelling their opinions at you, and the people who often are yelling those opinions are people who have never had their guns taken away, have never not been able to buy an AR-15, have never, you know, uh-huh. none of, we, any of our views or, or ideas about guns have never been pressed upon them. And there's not the threat that they would ever have. Wow. We would never have a gun to pull on them. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, exactly. I'm famously unarmed. It's such a perplexing situation for me, for people in that kind of position in power to act that way.
0: Well, I know that the gun task force um, is continually working on that and I know this past week um, they were supposed to have a city council meeting and it was abrupt well I wouldn't say abruptly council. Um, m- my information told me that uh, that the, cou- the council meeting was the council meeting was council. can you say that five times? Um, the council meeting was canceled uh, two weeks two weeks ago. And But no one really knew that it was counseled. But this was the time that a lot of people interested around gun violence were going to present or at least talk. About their issues and their concerns to the city council, and there was a big uproar on social media, and yeah. everybody is um, is really um, attacking. Uh, well, yeah, attacking some of the some of the council members around it, and um, I know certain individuals on social media was very very angry on the fact that the that the, it was council and the, and the opportunity for people to really speak about it.
1: Yeah, so they had the two p.m. meeting as usual, and I actually went to that and spoke the 2 a little PM, bit. Okay, I know, know I know, stop. it's not during. PM it's not during. I know <laughs> they do,
3: they do. I totally agree you with you. The same thing happened when we did the skate park stuff. Did they do the same thing? Yeah. They have a two o'clock. Well, they 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 put off voting on the thing they were supposed to vote at at the seven o'clock meeting to two weeks later at the two p.m. meeting, uh-huh. and that happened after a bunch of people signed up to speak and they just moved. there was a you know social media kind of rise and. Or swell in people that were gonna be there. They wow. they wow. changed the, the vote.
0: Yeah. Well maybe that's their new methods
3: of operations. I don't well. know. Well well in that you know in that in that circumstance it worked out for us. You know, it gave them time to work on some plans that they mm-hmm. knew they should have done in the first place. But if it becomes a pattern of these kind of things, that's when you start to go, come on guys. Like, yeah exactly.
1: I mean I think the other problem is anytime we give the impression from our city government that we don't want to hear people speak and I you know there's we don't know if the folks would have showed up um you know people talk about going to city council and then don't but um we need to make it easy we need to make it transparent we need to you know if we're going to cancel a city council meeting, I think that's a big deal and everybody should know about it way you know if we if people if it was done two weeks ago there should be a big you know push should, to tell people should have came up
2: yeah Karen we want to chime in on that Um, Well, yeah, there's been a lot of chatter about that meeting being canceled, especially on social media. Um, and I feel like anytime you take a position in the, in the government and you're a politician, um, you're going to have to take the good with the bad, you know, um, some people are going to be happy with the things that you do and some people are not going to be happy. Um, and you have to be able to, um, have the tenacity or the, the type of personality to deal with that type of adversity if you're going to be in, in the public office, um, and so, by you know, I understand that um, a certain person who was vocal about the meeting being canceled canceled <laughs> was <Yes. laughs> uh, contacted by a, a city council member um, who was very upset that this person was being vocal about the meeting being canceled and. Um, and started talking about this person's job within the city. Um, to me, that's a, that's an intimidation well, yeah. factor. Right.
1: Yeah, right. I, I wasn't happy with that. Yeah. So, I mean, I have heard about things like this happening before. You know, you're if you're vocal about city issues then you can be guaranteed that you're going to be cut able. out. I mean, I've been real vocal and lo and behold, I'm not on the gun violence task force. So there you go. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I have been vocal. I was on the gun violence task force. Initially. I still have the letter hanging up in my office at home. Mm-hmm. However, after the first meeting, I chose to leave the task force, um, because I felt it just wasn't the direction that I wanted to go in personally. Um, to help the families who have been affected by gun violence um there was a lot of planning going on brainstorming short term long term plans and things like that but i myself know that i'm not a yes person yeah. and i know my yeah. personality and i knew that i was going to disagree with some of the things that came up there and they didn't seem like they wanted people they there want who would disagree right. with the overall plan so I, I get it, it that just, same sense yeah, I get that same yeah. sense for people. Yeah, it I mean, wasn't a good good fit for me at, at all.
0: Well, I think it's it's nothing wrong to have um, disagreements, yeah. especially when you're trying to move forward on something important. You have to have different concerns, um, and and voices heard to actually understand what the root of the problem is. Mm-hmm. And then once you have, you you know, it's always, uh, I always tell my staff there's four stages of group dynamics when you put a group together. Forming, storming, norming, and performing. <laughs> Forming when you get together, <laughs> and then you go through a period of storming, and then you kind of norm out, and then you start performing. But you have to go through that storming period.
2: Exactly. To
0: understand everybody's concerns, everybody's mm-hmm. arguments. But, but it seems like that, um our city government doesn't want that storming period
2: they do not and they, and group dynamics was my favorite class and yeah. by, by the way in yeah. college i was like oh my gosh it's all coming back to yeah, me yeah. i remember the storm. but it, it, it's like they almost want clones yeah. of themselves yeah. um and that that storming is is not acceptable and in today's society Companies and organizations that are successful are those that have diversity of thought, Um, not only diversity of thought, diversity of people, culture. You know, when you bring different types of thought together um, and you're able to calmly listen to each other and come to some sort of uh, consensus. And it might not be something that everyone agrees with, but at least everyone had a voice in it.
0: Well, um, well, Go
3: ahead. I think this also goes back to one of those things we were talking about the other day, though. If I mean, I everybody's human, right? And I, I like most of city council, but I think you know it's a job that pays you barely nothing to work two full time jobs on top of the job you probably already have to work in order to to keep afloat while being on city council, unless you're retired or just happen to have you know a beautiful job that allows you to do all those things. so I can see where there's like a lot of human impatience and error in those things. And, you know, maybe one of the ways of fixing that is paying people what they're worth to do this job and to have the time and attention, Mm -hmm. you know, to to do that. Mm
1: -hmm. I do think that's been a huge thing. Either we need to have fewer city council members and pay them better or something something has to give because we have we're getting run by our city manager. And oh, we do pay our city manager a living wage. We do pay our city manager to do one job instead of three. So there you go. Okay,
2: And and, and also city council members who are going to fairly represent the population of the city the way it's divided. And I think that's definitely a big, big, um, a big issue. Are we being fairly represented, um, especially in Northwest, the way we need to be represented?
0: Okay, that's a good thought. Um, Real quick, we know that uh, next gun force, uh, gun... uh, Gun violence task force meeting is uh, on August twenty second, Thursday at seven p.m. is at the city council uh, chambers. Um, It is not a city council meeting, but the gun uh, violence task force will be meeting there. So, if um, you're listening, uh, when you hear this uh, podcast, make sure you attend. I think everyone wants. I think it's it's a very important issue, and I think um, everyone should be involved in that effort. I'd like to
2: just say something about that, the the call to action for people to come to that meeting. Um, And I personally, as a mother who has lost a son to gun violence, would like to personally encourage all of the families um, who have been affected directly by gun violence or um, uh, suicide even um, in the city to, to show up this Thursday night. Um, at seven o'clock you know we really need your voice we really do need your presence
0: thank you thank you i couldn't say it better well let's transition on to our guests our special guests um, uh, today is um, sam leave director programs and operations with leap and i think you'll explain leap a little bit later uh, leap for local Leap for Local is a local nonprofit founded in 2009 supporting farmers markets and the local food system. Leap's strong foundation is rooted in the farmer farmers, market vendors and market customers who first jump who first jump feet first into the community markets. Leap continues to build a strong local food system thanks to committed individuals. Leap's board members, market customers, leap staff and volunteers, and community partners, and our amazing food producers. Sam, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you, sir. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start this by asking you a couple questions, and then um, I'm gonna let the, list of the, the bunch, <laughs> chime in <laughs> sure. or with questions again. So tell me, uh, I know we heard the term food desert, but. Tell us, with you, the definition
4: of it, please. Sure. Yeah. Um, You know, the USDA has a statistical definition of food deserts. Um, They designate them by census tracts that uh, have a significant amount of the population um, at the poverty line, and a significant amount of the population in that census tract that lives geographically far away from. A Full-service grocer um, a mm-hmm. place where you can access all the food fruits vegetables prepared foods Whatever it is that you need to be able to feed your family with um in urban areas. That is um, one mile from a full-service grocery store in rural areas the USDA uses 10 miles as um, As their stat that they build these kind of food desert maps on um, You know, I, I think personally um Everybody's situation is different and personal to them, and it's a little hard to, I think, define individual neighborhoods by the way we define full-service grocery stores and poverty levels within communities. Um, We like to take into account personal vehicle access, too, when we think about food deserts. Um, Our cities are built for cars, and so... uh, You know, taking that into account in terms of how people can just get the food they need in their lives is, um, I think, a big part of the equation that that the very basic USDA definition probably is um, a little bit limited by.
0: Okay. Well, tell us a little bit more about LEAP and in your role in your organization.
4: Thank you. Yeah. um, I'm the director of programs and operations for LEAP. Um, LEAP stands for Local Environmental Agriculture Project. And... um, the uh, the fancy way of what we do, saying what we do is um, we nurture healthy communities and resilient local food systems. Um, to kind of break that down. Uh the what I really see the two areas that we work on are we um, we try and support local farms and food businesses. We want to help kind of relocalize that aspect of our food system by um, by providing thriving outlets for uh, food businesses and farms to sell their wares. Um, and then we want to do um, we want to do what we can to ensure that everybody within our community has um, easy access and can afford fresh fruits and vegetables and local food. Um, so really the kind of two sides of that working with. The community of consumers and working with the community of both farmers and vendors—that um, takes, uh, in practicality, that um, that looks uh, a few different ways. So we do um, what we call fixed-site farmers markets. So our very first farmers market in Grandin Village started in 2009. Um, we built a farmers market in the West End on Patterson Avenue. Okay. It's uh, bounced around that block a couple times, but it lives behind Freedom First Credit Union right now. Um, that started in 2010. Um, and we've really just, the way I see it, we've expanded on that model in ways that are both, um, I think, effective and innovative for the city and for our our community of farmers and consumers. So we started a mobile farmer's market. Um, we travel the city, mostly focusing on those USDA census des- designated food deserts, um, selling locally grown fruits and vegetables, most of the same products you find at the farmer's market. Um, and then um, a couple of different things from there. So we started... Uh, you know, back in 2010, recognizing that access is only a part of the equation, um, what we can do is break some, break down some of the barriers to find that food, to make it easy to get. But um, affordability is another big part of that too. So um, since 20, I think since 2012, we've started building a series of what we call healthy food incentives um, that break down those cost barriers to buying locally grown fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, the kind of flagship of that for us is uh, is we double the value of purchases made by folks with food stamps, or Snappy BT. So um, come to the market, basically spend up to $30 on your food stamp card, and we'll give you an additional $30 to buy fresh fruits and vegetables. In practicality, again, that just means that everything is half price um, that you spend at the market. Uh, we've expanded that to offer the same um, the same discounted rates for folks who receive Medicaid and folks uh, parents of uh, who receive WIC benefits as well. Okay. Um, we don't accept the WIC dollars, but bring your own cash, and we'll give you half price on things. Oh, that's
0: good. Um, so, what impact are you are you having with this uh, with Leap?
4: Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, You know, a number of different things that that we can point to that I think um, show some success. Between all of our programs, um, you know, we also pack a small CSA for about a hundred, 150 people that support about 50 farmers in the region. Um, from all of our different programming, I think, uh, last year we sold about a quarter of a million dollars in local food. Um, so very basically for the, for the farm community, that's, you know, good jobs. Um, that's thriving market outlets. That's places for people to start food businesses. I think farmers markets can be great incubators for growing food businesses. And we've seen that success. We've seen people start at markets move on to bigger and better things scale up and and have good jobs to, to you know to um, bring home money and food for their families um, and then you know at the consumer level uh, that means that just as much food is uh, fresh healthy fruits and vegetables are getting into the local communities um, pantries and fridges right and so um, we do some, some basic customer surveying and things. We're finding that people who uh, visit our market outlets and take advantage of our incentives are eating more fruits and vegetables, they're eating a more diverse array of fruits and vegetables, and basically are able now to uh, feed their families and themselves better than they did before they started shopping in our
0: markets. OK, great, great, great. Uh, well, let's introduce the bunch. As that's the new name for you guys, <laughs> the bunch. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Questions for anyone?
2: Um, I have a question. Thank you. That that was really great information, it was. and Thank you. Um, kudos for the work that that Leap does. Um, you know, you're definitely filling in a gap um, that is much needed to be filled in. Um, does Leap partner with any local companies or corporations or health? Um, organizations, um, what what do your partnerships look like?
4: Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> that's a much bigger question than we probably have time for. Uh, the answer is yes. Um, I I think, and I think uh, you know, within our organization, we really believe that we're not um, we're not doing this alone. Um, our programming is one part of a much bigger equation when it comes to um, the health of our community, the health of our economy, and um, and the success of people feeding their families. Um, You know we're a pretty integral part of a number of different um, collaborative projects. Healthy Roanoke Valley is a a huge collaborative that supports um, supports community health in a variety of ways. Uh, You know, born from that and and in partnership with Carilion, we do a a fresh foods prescription program um, that uh, lately has been focused on um, some Carilion family family practices that. are in low-income neighborhoods and have uh, what we do is we serve diabetic patients with a course of weekly fresh fruits and vegetables written as a prescription from their doctor, um, coupled with weekly um, education on eating right, sleeping, diet, cooking, exercise, things like that. And so really trying to help, um, help those diabetic patients at those clinics, um, you know, Reverse some of their ailments and and start to maybe live a healthier lifestyle uh, using fresh food as um as the vehicle for that. Um, we're part of a, a healthy a collaborative called Healthy Start with United Way that really focuses on childhood health. So we offer some incentives to families at Head Start locations. They can come to our markets and get uh, some fresh fruits and vegetables. A lot of them love getting like fresh fruit snacks for their kids and things like that, stuff to put on the table that night. Um, all of this is coupled with uh, pretty intensive education. Um, here at the Leap World, we're really focused on making our markets pop, making them look great, making them really successful. Um, so we rely on our partners really extensively for uh, for education. I think that's the third piece, coupled with access and affordability to make sure that um, that people can feed their families what they want and need to feed their families. Yeah.
2: Thank you. You answered my question and my other question about <laughs> the education piece, so thank
4: you. Yeah. yeah, and there are great educators in this community to, um, to work on that the cooperative extension uh, community Garden Association and, and a wide variety of other uh, Carilion has great health educators people that are really focused on helping helping folks um, who need those pieces need to figure out how to cook and store food what to feed their families and things like that because everybody's different and and so there are really great resources for that in the community
0: and Catherine um,
1: so I I was talking with a um, somebody the other day and um, she 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 works um, on uh, with a the, with a nonprofit organization we came up with this little thing and we called it uh, women for cheap and easy politics so um, or cheap and easy women <laughs> uh, and our and our and our and uh, our, our our political uh, our political platform was, uh, feed the people good food give all the women and girls cheap and long lasting birth control and we we had a few other uh, you know maybe melt the guns i don't remember but um it, it was probably <laughs> it was probably that um but you know there's just some things that um just are so cheap and easy and it just is frustrating. You know, we know that when we feed kids good food in schools, um, especially the good food, like not just feeding them is one thing, but, you know, slapping some orange juice and a, um, you know, a, a, Granola bar that's gonna like rush through their system, the sugar, you know, or, or the. I mean, I can't, you know. Or the, even like
3: those Cisco like frozen food yeah. that they just bring in for everything. Oh yeah,
1: I know. So, <laughs> I, I, so, but we know that actually when you substitute out that and start just handing them an apple and a, you know, a little maybe even, you know, maybe it's still a, you know, yogurt stick in the morning so they can get it down fast. Um, but it's something that is gonna have some protein that'll pull them through the day. We know that when we hand them those slightly better options, that they their test scores improve. And there's one thing we're obsessed with in Roanoke City Public Schools and it's test scores. So I just don't understand why we're, you know, on the one hand, we're like, oh, you know, the cheap and easy, you know, cheap and easy good food solution is something we're going to cut down on and we're going to go with the Cisco processed uh, option instead of the, you know, the the, the cheap and easy, here, kid, have an apple, here's an orange. Um, I just, I don't understand why does that keep happening?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of... um you know a, a general confusion about what what is cheap and easy right and I think um, that like systemically our food system hides a lot of things that um, that aren't cheap and easy they they their food system is really good at at you know making um, making the food they want to make cheap and easy yeah. and I you know I wouldn't discount anybody for putting what they have to put on the table um, everyone's got Busy and difficult lives, and i wouldn't make any judgment towards um, you know the, the choices they make that they have to make. Um, I think our goal for for leap and for for our local food system is to try and make those right choices the cheapest and easiest choices possible mm-hmm. um, and so I think for 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 the future of leap and what we're working on these days is really helping people. To get to that scale um, so that those choices are the cheap and easy choices.
1: Okay, so one other question that I just totally don't understand. The grocery store problem. Okay, so.
0: Yeah, uh, especially in the Northwest, save a lot. Yes. uh, Grocery store closed down.
1: But here's my thing that I really don't understand. We're doing a market study and we paid for a market study. We know there's a market failure. We know this market is not, because just what you said, the market is set up in a way to um, to disadvantage people to make the most expensive um, to make the right choice the most expensive choice to make it the hardest to get that's how the market's set up so uh, what I don't understand about a Northwest grocery store which I fully support and I would love to see one um, is why aren't we partnering with a not for profit to do a not for profit grocery store like why do we need you know like wh- why do we need to have a grocery store if we want a grocery store in Northwest that is a full service grocery store why don't we say this is our, what our vision is this is what we want to see. These people have access to, and if we have to subsidize it, so be it. Like I don't get it. Like we know the market's not going to do it.
4: Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think you're right that um, that it is a it's a it's a market failure. It's a you know a failure of. Um,
0: and years the, ago, there was. Mar- um, Markets in the area,
4: absolutely. And didn't yeah. Tap used to run a grocery store on Melrose or Orange? Mm-hmm. I think back in like the '80s or '90s. Okay, that's, b- that's,
0: you know, that's before my turn. I wasn't born yet. Yeah, I think I was maybe, maybe you're, two. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely right, though. I mean, it is a systemic failure, and um, and I would agree that that would be a great solution. Um, identifying who has the capacity to step up has been a problem with. Um, you know, since that market analysis, for sure, um, I know that's been a barrier as, as well. This is a great idea. Now, who's going to do it?
3: Um, well, and that, that Sam. Also, thanks for coming, buddy. Good to see sure. you. Sure, good to see you too. I, and that—that that would be my question. What can. You know, like I like the farmers market. I, I support fresh food and all these initiatives. If I'm someone who, again, doesn't live in a food desert but wants to be involved, who wants to see like fresh food in my kids' elementary school or whatever else, what can we do for Leap? Or how can how can people partner with Leap to kind of make these things happen? I mean, is it advocating at city council? Is it donating? Is it what's the what's the call to action for people who are mm-hmm. on board with you guys? Yeah, I mean, I you know I often think that the
4: easiest thing to do is shop at the market, tell your friends about the farmer's markets. Again, we have between our our two mobile markets and our fixed site markets and the other fantastic farmer's markets around the community um, there's options every day to find good food, to find fresh local food and um, you know, I know that it's hard to, to make the trip. Um, we were trying to break down barriers in different ways, too, so it's easy. Uh, there's this the future of, like, consumer delivery and stuff that, that the big businesses are looking into, too, yeah. uh, at-home yeah. delivery. And, and, you know, I don't know what the future of that's going to be for Roanoke. But... Um, you know, what I think the best thing to do to advocate for localizing our food system and making sure people know where to get good food um, is tell your friends about the farmer's market opportunities in the community. And yeah, and talk to city leaders. Tell people what it is that you want. Uh, a grocery store in Northwest is a fantastic place to, to go from here. I think we we can all agree that that's such a valued that's asset something. that Northwest needs. And everybody in there seems to want. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, some of the challenges I am uh, I recently read a report. It's the Food Desert Task Force report that was from the Virginia Cooperative Extension. It was a partnership with Virginia Tech and Virginia State University, and they talked about the challenges um, of, of food deserts, having food deserts. They talk about low access and low income, talking about food insecurity, lack of transportation, and food sources. Those are some of the barriers in that report, to show why they have the, the inability to get, you know, fresh produce and foods, and so I am, you know, again, we, we talk about the Northwest. It seems like the Northwest is. Always the only area is not getting anything, um, but that's another conversation for another day. I'm not going to get on my
2: pulpit uh, regarding that's that. That's a conversation for everybody. Yeah, that's a conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you might, you
0: might help me, remind me about the school board budget. It was, a, what was the amount that the city automatically set aside for the school, school board? 40%. 40%. 40% of the city budget, right? And everyone's excited about that. And they can't, I mean, some kind of partnership with non, um, nonprofits like yourself and uh, uh, Food America and, and so forth, that where you can have some direct access for fresh produce from these organizations. I mean, that would be, I mean, 40% mm-hmm. of our city budget is dedicated to our school systems. And it's, and it's kind of to have you, when you turn to the Cisco yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, that's, that's re- I mean, we should be a little bit more innovative. And that's the thing.
2: We're not really in well, it. We're
0: not creative of how we do things. Right we now. have we have means to do things. We're just not
3: creative about it. Well, we hit on that all, all the time. You know, we, we talk about how, you know, the solution maybe isn't getting rid of Kroger. But the solution is maybe having, having Kroger partner with someone like Leap, you know, because everyone has gone to the grocery store and bought and strawberries and gotten home and the next day they're molded. And it's because they were frozen and shipped to Kroger and then right. Kroger had to put them out and whatever else. You know, you're not going to have those same kind of problems buying local produce. I mean, will eventually rot or whatever else because everything does, but it's not the same. It's not that frozen, right. you know, nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, there are solutions. You know, again, if we're, if we're looking at public schools, making it all work together in a way that that is healthy and productive for people working and thriving and trying to do good in Roanoke, people who are in the education system, and people who are working for the city.
2: Well, I'm I'm curious. um, What is LEAP's stance on um, GMO food or non-GMO food or using versus organic?
4: Yeah, you know, I think... um I'm going to kind of give a non-answer to this. Uh, mm-hmm. I think what Leap really focuses on and what, what we pride ourselves on is building the necessary infrastructure to allow people to make those choices for themselves, people to connect with their farmers, however those farmers may decide to grow and sell their food. Um, I think the transparency and honesty of having a direct relationship with the people that prepare your food is probably the most important thing. I, I believe that everyone should have a choice and be able to access the food that they want, whether that's GMO, non-GMO, conventionally grown, organically grown, or beyond any of those kind of USDA definitions. Um, and I, I think that's the power of the farmer's market is really to allow people to choose and find what exactly they want to find and know what it is they're getting. Yeah, that's well, so, right.
2: I mean, because I've, I've, I've always, I mean, other than the concern of the food desert, there's also the concern of... Um, people being able to afford organic uh, versus uh, the GMO-grown food. So, I mean, there's a division there as well. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah I absolutely. It. Well, yeah. Sam,
0: thank you. I mean, we yeah. can talk about this subject, yeah. this very important subject for a long time. Yeah, you got to yeah. yeah, yeah, come might have to come often, back. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. you need to come on back. We appreciate yeah. you. Thank, you for jo- thank you for joining us thank today. You. And so, of course, before we end, we always got to wrap up saying... What are our What are your thoughts on uh, moving forward this week? Um, I'm going to start. Always start with the ladies. Starting with the ladies, Karen.
2: Oh, 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 I am a lady. Oh, I'm a lady some days. Um. (laughs) A lovely lady. (laughs) <laughs> I am looking forward to the gun task uh, meeting on uh, Thursday night. Um, I, I would just love for for the citizens of Roanoke to come in and, and represent and voice their concerns. Um, uh, that's really what I'm looking towards uh, this week. Oh, Catherine? Okay.
1: Um, so I am looking forward to hearing how my kids' um, first days of school went. First and day of school,
0: all we, traffic stops when, <laughs> <laughs> when the kid sits the street.
1: <laughs> yes. So I'm looking forward to hearing about that and seeing how this first week goes. And my kid is very excited because he gets to go to the library every day now. So he's very excited. Right. Yeah, right.
3: <laughs> well, Well, now that we've talked about it a bunch, I'm looking forward to the next farmer's market, which, Sam, do you want to tell us when and where we can get to? the next ones sure every Tuesday 3 to 6 p.m. on Patterson Avenue at the West End Farmers Market
4: uh, every Saturday 8 to noon at the Grand Village Farmers Market just behind the collab that we sit in right now um, the Roanoke City Market runs technically six days a week all day every day um, there's vendors out there especially on Thursdays Fridays and Saturdays um, The mobile market uh, has a schedule that is too long to read out today, but it's on the road Tuesdays through Fridays, um, mostly during the day and into the early evening. All around the city, 11 stops a week, usually 12 when we do special events. Um, You can find that schedule at leapforlocalfood.org. So thanks, Will.
3: Yeah, so that's what I'm looking forward to. That's what you Fresh food. Yeah. We're Fresh at like food? the
4: just the best time of the year right now. Um, oh, yeah. Summer yeah. stuff is still great—peaches yeah. and tomatoes and corn—and there's oh. like all the fall. Good fall stuff is starting to come in: peppers and apples and Asian pears. Yeah. <laughs> this is the time
3: of year.
0: <laughs> well, what's your favorite vegetable?
3: <laughs> vegetable? Yeah. Oh man, I like a thousand. I like broccoli. I like uh, bok choy bok choy um, yeah. yeah i like bok choy. i, I like mean brussels it. sprouts i like i love brussels sprouts. i don't roast it's yeah. It's, yeah. it's easier to list the foods i don't like <laughs> yeah. than the ones <laughs> don't i don't do I that do
0: <laughs> <laughs> well um sam we well, will it's this question to you we always think about what do, What do you look forward to this week you have any thoughts about what you're looking forward to this week
4: yeah um i just heard and, and the event itself isn't this week i um struggling to find the date, but there's a follow-up meeting um, about food justice uh, that the state initiated. Okay. So some some folks from the State Department of Health and Social Services um, came down uh, back in the winter and wanted to have an open community discussion about um, people's thoughts. It was a really robust and fantastic discussion with um, the likes of the, the head of the city school system. Um, Rita, Rita, Bishop. Yeah, Rita Bishop. Yeah, Rita Bishop was there, and a lot of nonprofit leaders and, and city and state leaders as well. And um, we're having a follow up meeting. I believe Feeding America is convening it. Um, and I'll have a date before the end of our conversation here if we're going to be on this for another moment or two.
3: Yeah, uh, but
4: I'm excited about the follow up mm-hmm. to that to kind of hear the community voice and um, actually get some members from the community come to these meetings and lend their ear to what it is they want and how they want it.
0: Good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yep. Awesome. Um, I, I guess I'll wrap this Good up. Work. I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to our Thursday meeting uh with the uh gun violence task force. Um, um I, I do want to say this. Um I know we ta- recently talked about the issue regarding um the conf- confusion or coincidence of the council city the city council meeting, but I I am particularly um happy of the fact that uh, our young, especially our young black men, who who had the interest of recognizing and questioning uh, the city government of why this is happening, um, I think it 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 it's, it means a lot. We always talk about the importance of women, which is very important, um, the LGBT community, and so forth. But the issue um, being a black male, and I'm moving up in age. Um, I don't. Wanna, I, I am fifty. I guess I'm not. I'm almost ready for AERP. Am I, am I, am I? I, I did receive some mail on that. Um, re, but regardless, I think it's important that some of the young black men in our community stood up and addressed the issue regarding gun violence, and they want to move it forward. So I'm looking forward to these young men. Um, I think they're going to be the future of our community, and I applaud them, and I support them them 110%, even though it's usually 100%, but 110% um, behind them, because I think it's important that they have this voice. And they need to exercise this voice and they do not need to be shut down whatsoever about them expressing it. So I'm looking forward to that. And also, hopefully, we can have some uh, possible resolutions to this. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So all of you, thank you. Thank you. This has been a great podcast today. And Sam, of course, thank you for bringing well, in uh, informative, informative information regarding food deserts, which I think is critical in, in many parts of the community. So thank you, and thank our audience, and thank you for listening to Our Voices community, presented by Colors VA Magazine. You can also listen to us each Sunday at 3 p.m. on WROE 95.7 Radio free Rono God bless them God bless them <laughs> If you like what you've heard today leave us a review. Also be sure to like our voices in our community on Facebook. thank you and have a blessed day.